people. Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 385. If you're listening to this episode as it is released, you may notice it is a Monday, which is normally when we do our Monday Minute episodes, which are shorter, more informal Q&A episodes. Instead of a Monday Minute with Steve and I, we are actually going to be on the podcast on Wednesday this week with kind of a big announcement and some big news. So stay tuned. Make sure you look for that episode on Wednesday. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app so that you do receive future episodes automatically. Today, though, our episode is with Justin. He joins us to tell the After the Hunt story as part of our Before and After the Hunt series. This is actually the last episode in the series, at least for now. It's something we want to do again, and so we'll plan some more Before and After the Hunt episodes for 2023. But Justin first joined us in episode 362 to talk about his archery elk hunt. And he, at that time, was wondering if this year was the year. Justin had been hunting archery elk for a few years, and he told us about some of the lessons he learned and his strategy going into this season in that before episode, which again was 362. Today, we're joined with Justin after the hunt to hear how his season went some of the unexpected twists and turns, and success. So we'll dive into that, and there's a lot to pull from this one. As always, guys, if you have any questions for us, you can send an email to podcast at exomountgear.com or look for the link in the show description that says leave us a message, and you can use whatever device you're on currently to leave us an audio message that we can answer on a future Q&A episode. Hit pause and do that right now if something comes to mind. Otherwise, here's this conversation with Justin. Well, Justin, welcome back, man. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, Mark. Thanks for thanks for having me again. Looking forward to to the chat for sure. Yeah. So your your before the hunt episode was um, number three sixty two. Um, we chatted a bit about. Uh, this being this past fall, uh, being your third season hunting elk in Idaho. And dude, one thing I loved with, um, like with your story and for listeners who haven't listened to it is just your perspective on the, the whole journey of becoming a hunter and kind of how that pursuit has helped you in other areas of your life and all kinds of stuff. So if listeners haven't heard that, I definitely recommend, um, going and checking it out for sure. But you know, recording these after the hunt episodes, one thing I've been trying to do with uh, the folks in these conversations is just find out since you and I chatted first um, for that before the hunt episode, Justin, and then leading up to the hunting season, like, and the time frame between the podcast and the hunt actually starting, is there anything notable there? Like from a planning perspective, uh, any sort of like events that happen, like basically before we get to the hunt or the hunting season, yeah. What was the rest of your summer like getting ready for the hunt? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I, I know I didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I think you mentioned it in the beginning. But um, my wife, she drew tags. Um, she drew pretty much every tag she put in for, which was wild and completely like, you know, it's it's that whole you think you're going one direction and, you know, let's just throw a massive wrench in the curve and really change things up. So uh, yeah. which it was in a good way, you know, um, it was 
it was in a positive way that, uh, but there was a part of me that was like, wow, my wife is going to get an elk before I do, you know? And, uh, you know, we'll get into that later, but, um, yeah, so, so we, you know, the results came out and, uh, I was kind of watching them live. I kind of saw that they were coming out and I really didn't put out, put in for much. And, you know, so I was logged in on her account and, uh, boom, notification popped up, you know, she drew her elk tag. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And then boom, she drew a deer tag and then another, you know, and then hit refresh one more time and she drew an antelope tag. Um, and you know, I was just, I, I was way more excited than she was obviously, you know, and I don't <laughs> think she realized what it was like to, uh, you know, to have her name drawn for all three tags, you know, yeah. if I had to, if I had to calculate it, I would imagine that's, you know, less than 1% odds, you know, right. So, it was cool. Um, and then it was logistics, right? How on earth are we possibly going to do this? And, uh, you know, what are we going to do here and start, you know, figuring that out for babysitters and all that stuff. So, uh, which ended up still being, you know, a big part of the whole puzzle, you know, is cause, cause as a reminder, we've got a five and a three and a half year old. So, um, they're young kids and, uh, as much as we love to have them a part of everything, there were just some scenarios where they just, you know, they, it's just too hard on them. So, um, so yeah, so the summer was packed with logistics and then, um, for archery elk, I ended up having a buddy, um, that I know that invited me to go with him, uh, into an area that was not even remotely on my radar. Um, you know, but, uh, and kind of found out, I don't know, probably four weeks before the season opened that, that I said, yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll tag along with you. You've got experience in the area. Um, let's do that instead of me picking a zone that I was looking at that, you know, potentially I would have been hunting in there solo. So, um, don't know if that was the best call, but you know, it's, it's all a learning curve. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and got to learn more areas and, and what worked and what didn't work. So, um, yeah, summer basically after we spoke was lots of just planning, you know, and uh, <laughs> what are we going to do here? So, right. uh, which was fun. Uh, a lot of e-scouting. Uh, the beauty of the deer tag was, is I actually was tied in uh, under my wife's name. So I drew a tag as well as my cousin. Um, he drew a tag as well. And he's a first time never hunted um, guy. And so, you know, so got to have a, a pretty cool little deer hunt. Man. Yeah, lots to chat into. What, um, yeah, what, the, <laughs> the, dis- yeah, I know. Right? It's like, <laughs> so I guess let's start your, with, cause your archery elk hunt, they just kind of mentioned first. That was pretty much how your season kicked off before we got most of your wife's tags. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So our archery season, you know, starts late on that, you know, basically end of August, first of September. Um, and that's where basically my season kicked off. Um, we were, it was kind of one of those where we were so excited to get out there that we ignored conditions and we're like, screw it. It's open. Let's hunt. And then we get up there and, you know, there was kind of a lot of fires up in the area. Um, so we were completely socked in with smoke. And then on top of that, you know, we were running in the nineties. Um, it, if, I don't know if you were out here for that weekend, but you know, basically that first weekend of archery elk in Idaho, it was very hot. Yeah. Um, and 
we had one area in particular that we wanted to get into, uh, but it was going to be about five miles in. And me not having the experience of really packing an elk out, not knowing what it would, you know, what it would entail, not, I haven't laid eyes on the country. I've just done a lot of e-scouting, but I haven't had boots on the ground to really see it. Uh, the guy I was with had, and he kind of was telling me, you know, it's, it, it, it's definitely, you know, a little bit brutal getting up in there, probably going to run into elk, but once we get one on the ground, it's, it's a ticking you know, that clock is ticking very quickly when we're running, you know, in the nineties up there. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we decided to not go in there just because I think it would probably be more hard to me. I had to kind of, you know, ask myself, is it more important to kill an elk or is it more important to bring that meat home and share it with friends and family? And, uh, I would have been pretty, pretty upset had, a you know, had we potentially gotten one and that meat spoiled. So, so we didn't go into the first area just on that fact alone that we, you know, two guys, um, you know, roughly five miles in there, that's just kind of to the start of it. Um, I just felt it was kind of a little too far with the concern of getting meat out. And I don't know, maybe that's just kind of a rookie mindset that, you know, it probably would have been fine or it might've been fine, but you know, just me not knowing that held us from going in there. I don't know if you have any advice for that, but (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know about advice. I, honestly, I think it's a great call. Um, it's yeah, especially because the conditions were what they were mm-hmm. and then not being familiar completely with the area. And as you said, it's not only five miles, but that's kind of where it starts. Right. So it's like, yep. if you're not careful, you pack in five miles, throw up camp. And then the next day you kill an elk a mile and a half from there. Now you're six and a half or whatever. Yep. Um, and again, not being familiar with the area, it's, how navigable is it? Are we going to get into a bunch of blowdown? There's the trail that we think they're actually going to be there. All those types of scenarios. And if you don't know the country in that temperature, two dudes and an elk down five plus miles is, yeah. I mean, it's I honestly, I think you made a great call there for sure. Yeah. Um, and not only to mention, you know, it is your first elk. So just the, the challenges of, man, I, I think I know what it's like to break down an elk, but maybe not, or pack one out, maybe not. So, um, yeah, I mean, the first time I packed out an elk was uh, six-ish miles, Um, and same deal, like two guys, and we got in over our heads, I'll I'll tell you that, (laughs) and we didn't have to deal with 90-degree temps, like, um, so yeah, I think it's a good call, man. What I mean, it was was so warm up there that at night, you know, like I was sleeping in a t-shirt, you know, like it wasn't even really cooling off at night. And so that's where the concern was. Cause if it, if it got colder at night, you know, then you might have an opportunity to get that heat out. But, you know, it was still, you know, I would say probably sitting low fifties looking back even at night, you know, mm-hmm. to where it's not enough to really cool that meat off. And so we, you know, we felt good about that decision. Um, and, you know, so we ended up, we got up in there knowing there was kind of some fires and what we had to kind of, we had to be flexible. Right. Um, and so we decided on, on another area. Um, so we're driving up in there and, you know, it's, it's in the evening. I think we got up there probably about, you know, four thirty, five o'clock, um, knowing that we'd have an opportunity to, you know, kind of park the rigs. We decided let's leave camp at the truck and let's just kind of make this first night. Let's go, let's go kind of just explore back in here and make sure it's worthy of, 
getting back and hunting in this zone. So uh, <laughs> the story I'm about to tell, it's it's almost going to sound unbelievable, but it was a wild three hours of hunting. Let's just say that. So uh, We threw, you know, light packs, really didn't have much besides headlamp, um, uh, grabbed our bows and, you know, a couple little things we might need, kill kit, all that. And we just started doing a quick, like two and a half mile hike. That was our intention. So we start going and, uh, you know, we're hiking out, parking trucks. We, we're hiking out along this kind of almost like a closed access road. And, um, you know, there was a gate there. And so, um, we're hiking out and we're, we're maybe, I don't know, a mile from the truck and look to my right. And there's a big bear sitting, uh, sitting there eating berries out of a bush. And, uh, I had a bear tag in my pocket. So, uh, I was like, you know what? I, I immediately looked, ranged him. He was only 110 yards from us. Didn't see us. Didn't smell us. We had great wind. I looked at my buddy that I was with and I said, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can't put stock on this bear. Uh, cause he was a really nice bear. Um, and I was thinking, you know, perfect. Here's, here's redemption from my spring hunt where I missed it. I missed a bear and you know, Hey, this would be kind of cool. And, uh, never pass an opportunity to at least, you know, get a stock. So I, I kind of make my way. Conditions were actually really good for a stock. Um, and I had a, a little ridge I could walk straight down that was hiding, you know, and it hid me from the bear. And, um, I just, I popped out a little too early and I popped out at, uh, it's still, he kind of moved down his hair and I, I popped out 80, it was like 82 yards from him. Um, and it was just, you know, too far of a shot for me, um, to comfortably take and, um, really wanted to kind of be, you know, 60 and under. So. Um, I, I kind of skirted back and started to work my way down to get a little bit closer, had a, had a tree between me and him. And, uh, I stepped on a twig and that was enough just for him to, to kind of feel something wasn't right. And he took off. So we, I come back up, you know, that was cool. Adrenaline rush, you know, just that experience of getting stock in on a bear with my bow. And, um, and, I, it was kind of a, a do or die. My pistol was attached to my track. So, or to my pack. So it was like, all right, I got a bow to defend myself. If things go south here. So <laughs> let's go, you know? And, uh, it was cool. It was a cool experience. Um, just to do that. And, you know, sweet group came up and we walked in another probably half three quarters of a mile. Um, and we kind of had to overlook into a big kind of North facing drain. Um, and we're, we just kind of stop. We're listening. We're probably 30 minutes before it gets dark here. And, uh, and I was like, well, let's, you know, let's just kind of, let's fire off a bugle. Let's see what happens. And, and so I did and, um, lit off one bugle and in the distance, you just hear, uh, wolves. You can hear wolves start to howl like, oh, wow, there's, you know, there's a couple predators back in here, you know? And, uh, so we, we just listened. They howled. I think it was twice. Um, and then we didn't hear anything. So it was, uh, now we're probably 10 minutes before dusk and there was something that was like, you know what, we should probably just get moving. Um, knowing that we kind of had to walk past where that bear was to get back out. And, you know, I just kind of had it in the back of my mind, like, let's, let's just be mindful of, you know, where that bear was. And I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even think like of, uh, you know, by firing off a bugle that, you know, that would do anything, but. So we come walking back and, you know, we come and we turn the corner on a trail and that bear I put a stock on sees us. And I think he thinks we were that elk that just fired off a bugle 
and he is full sprint running right at us uh, with his head, you know, locked in our direction. He started about a hundred yards and he is at a full sprint directly at us. Um, he was kind of just walking that road. And then once we turned the corner, he saw us and just, he starts coming. So, um, so we, we both grabbed our pistols and, uh, he gets, he gets about, I'd say 80 yards from us. And I let off a hay bear just to kind of let him know he was there and he doesn't do anything. He's still coming. <laughs> so he gets another 15 yards closer. And, uh, and I yelled a little louder, Hey bear. And then he, he heard us that time and kind of locked up the brakes, stopped, stared at us. And it took off in the, uh, into the trees up above us. So that was a little adrenaline rush for that evening hunt. Mm-hmm. We're regrouping and we're like, man, that, you know, like that, he was coming, you know, if, uh, and we both had, you know, had pistols ready, ready to go. And like, we kind of looked at each other like, oh boy, here we go, you know, and uh, he ended up turning off. So we're, you know, adrenaline's, adrenaline's flowing. And uh, this is where the story gets even crazy. Like, all right, let's, uh, and at this point I grabbed my headlamp. It was like, you know, it's getting dark enough. I'm just going to throw my headlamp on just, just to have it a little, you know, sense of a comfort for me. And so I throw it on and we start walking and I'm not kidding you. Two minutes later, I almost step on a rattlesnake. Didn't see it. And, uh, <laughs> and he goes into that full strike position and makes his way off the trail. And I think I missed it by probably a f- two feet, you know? And, uh, so, so at this point we're, we're max adrenaline, right? We just had a bear running at us and I almost stepped on a rattlesnake and, uh, I'm like, all right, let's just get out of here. Let's get back to the trucks yeah. before yeah. it's too dark and before anything else crazy happens. So we're walking out and then, uh, we're almost to the truck and then we see, you know, we see eyes in our headlamps and, I don't know what it was, but you know, the way it moved off it, I didn't think it was a deer and you know, I never confirmed exactly what it was, but you know, we started walking a little faster and, you know, probably had just our senses on high alert, you know, we were before the bear, we were talking like, okay, in the morning we're, you know, tonight we're going to load our packs. We're going to put camp on our back. We're going to walk back in, in the dark and we're going to go up in there. You know, even though we heard those wolves, we just, it, it, the area looked pretty decent, um, for where, we thought elk might be in the hot conditions and then the bear, and then the rattlesnake. And we both kind of looked at each other like, I, I think this is a sign. Let's go find somewhere else. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we ended up relocating again. And, um, and that, you know, that there's nothing, you know, nothing too great of that first weekend. We ended up actually calling it a little early and came home just because the heat and those fires. And uh, there was a new fire that actually started that wasn't, it wasn't right in our area, but it was close enough to kind of just be to watch it, you know? Um, and, you know, so we ended up calling that first weekend, just like, you know what, let's save our, let's save our family time for later in the season as conditions get a little better. Um, and, and so we did. And, uh, so we came home, regrouped, um, and then it temperature started to drop a little bit. My wife was kind of like, you know what, I, I want to try to get one more camp trip out of the year and, Let's do it. And I was like, well, let's, you guys want to go on an elk hunt with me? So the following weekend, I took my wife and two kids on a, you know, on a, let's just say an elk looking hunt, you know, not really anticipating that I would have an opportunity to, to get an elk, but, you know, kids got to experience that, you know, 
it ended up, I think I sent you the picture, but it ended up with me carrying both kids on my back, hiking up and, you know, and, uh, but it was cool. It was a cool experience. They got to see it. Uh, you know, they got to, um, you know, I was bugling a little bit and kind of knowing full well, it probably wasn't gonna, you know, nothing was going to come from it, but it was just a cool experience for them, you know, and that's kind of what I wanted. Um, and then that pretty much ended my, I, I got to go one more day for archery elk. Um, unfortunately we got back up into an area that looked really good. And the guy, um, guys hunting with, he ended up getting sick. So, um, and it wasn't an area that I felt comfortable going in by myself. So again, it was just kind of, uh, you know, a few factors that, uh, you know, that I don't know, just whether it was misfortune or what, but, uh, I kind of knew at that point, archery elk season was done and time to shift gears and start focusing on my wife's tag. So all in only got done a few days, but, um, you know, learned some lessons, learned, you know, learned just more time being out in the country and, and, you know, experiencing it. And, uh, you know, that all just helps with, um, confidence and, and being out there and all that. So. Yeah. And I imagine like knowing how much is coming, how much ahead, like all these tags that your wife has is a factor for sure of like, yeah, I, I don't need to maximize every single day of this one tag or this one month because uh, right. we have so much coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that ended my archery season and the temps were still warm, you know, um, for what I would imagine, you know, typical archery season, they were just, you know, it was still warm and, uh, my wife's tag, it, it, it started the beginning of October along with her antelope. And, um, I spent a lot of time talking with biologists in the area, uh, found an outfitter that hunted, uh, not that one unit, but in the general vicinity. And, you know, I joined, actually joined hunting pool, um, to reach out to them, to find people that previously had that tag. That's one cool benefit of hunting pool. Um, just so I could put in, you know, just wanted to talk to as many people as I could found ranchers in the area. Um, and basically what I found out was, you know, you really need a cold snap to get elk down in there. Mm-hmm. And so knowing conditions weren't the greatest, you know, we went and we scouted, uh, one weekend we were driving down in there looking for, you know, just fresh sign, fresh elk, any of that. Um, and, you know, spent the time we, we really put, put a lot of time and effort into the scouting that one particular weekend, never did find elk. And so my, you know, confidence level, and I was just thinking, you know, like the elk must still be up very high. And in this area, there's not a lot of high country. It's kind of a transition range between summer range and winter range. So, um, you know, so we ended up not even finding an elk that scouting weekend. I met a guy down there and we were kind of going to piggyback some information off each other. And, um, and so we opening day, we ended up going into an area that I actually didn't scout, but it was like, look on the maps for, you know, to me, I was in my head just thinking we got to get higher, you know, like we, we got to get to where it's somewhat cooler because where we were, it was still hot. And, uh, you know, so it's the age old Bob, when you should have weave and, um, looking back, it's, that's a decision that, you know, that we, or that I made that you know, kind of regret on the season a little bit was, uh, for opening weekend going into an area that I hadn't even seen. 
um, where we should have just stuck it out in the, in the one area we scouted, but we didn't see anything. So that's where my mind was like, well, if I don't want to come down here and waste time and not, you know, in an area that we haven't seen anything. Well, um, the guy I met down there, he ended up killing a bull on opening day. Um, in that area, we kind of scouted, he ended up finding them. So I don't know if it was pressure that brought him out or what, but how far was it between when you scouted it and then opening day? Uh, one weekend, just one weekend. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, one weekend, uh, and we spent two days down there scouting. Um, we also were looking for antelope as well. Cause you know, um, she kind of had a, a deal where, we got to be somewhat same area, but, um, so, so yeah, so we decided to go on an, on the opposite end of the unit, um, for opening weekend. And, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a decision that I kind of regret and I'm kicking myself because we had my mother-in-law come to town, watch the kids. We were, you know, if there was an opportunity where we, you know, we had an ample amount of time, um, that was it. And we got home you know, we came home after hunting for a few days and, um, the guy that I had talked to, he called me and said, yeah, we got a bull and told me where he was. And, um, just like, you know, that whole sinking gut feeling and I made the wrong call. If we armchair quarterback this on like hindsight 2020, is there anything practically that makes sense of why the elk were there then when you didn't expect them to be like any tangible, Oh, maybe because of this type thing. The honestly, the only thing I could really think was more people just being out there and pushing them to move around a little bit. You know, that's that's really the only thing that, um, you know, that I could think to where you know they were in an area that they weren't the weekend prior. You know, maybe the maybe more people coming out to hunt pushed them around. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And that's where, you know, maybe just getting better at knowing the elk and knowing conditions and all that stuff might be a little more beneficial. I don't know. Mm. So, um, so then we were up there, you know, we kind of had an area we wanted to, to hunt in and, you know, I, we spent a lot of time glassing it looking for elk and, um, I guess one question that maybe, you know, if you have experience, but this one area that we ended up going to an opening for opening day, man, there was a ton of cattle still in there. Um, and it's not a place where cattle usually are. And I think that, um, you know, with how much cattle we saw and obviously that leads to cowboys being around moving cattle and all that stuff, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Do you have experience where you see cattle and elk in the same areas like that? Or are you kind of, are they kind of competing for food at that point? I don't know. No, I've definitely experienced that. Um, actually not in Idaho. I haven't experienced it, but I have in other states and I don't know. I've had different experiences of, um, higher country actually grazing rights on public land where they have cattle high Mm -hmm. kind of on the mountain. And I've never, never had elk encounters close to that or seen much sign kind of where they're in that area. Um, on the flip side of that, I have had encounters where there's been elk holding down on private and on a, or very close to a cattle's food source. So they're on the ranch, they're on private, they're on that food source. And I think 
I think in those instances, those elk become used to the cattle and even the kind of like the activity and the ranchers and all that. And they're just uh-huh. kind of content to be like, oh, the cattle, the cattle are over here right now. We're going to go, you know, zig when they zag. And mm-hmm. if the ranchers start, you know, moving cattle or, or change areas where they're grazing, the elk are obviously going to bump out or move out of that. But yeah, it's, it's for me, I don't, I don't know. I've run into it and I feel like at times it's like, oh gosh, like if I'm kind of higher on the mountain and see cattle grazing, um, I'm like, oh, let's get out of here. But then I've also seen them again on private where it's like, yeah. oh, they're content just to like hang out <laughs> and be, you know, this, this one field over with this tree line in between them. Um, sure. Yeah. I think it, it can be very dependent and it, you know, it's, I think it's also very dependent on time of year, potentially. I obviously you know, there's certain elk that are going to be pushed lower or want to be lower and get on that food source. At the same time, what I just mentioned about the elk being low and on private, this was early. I mean, it was in September. There was no, there was no weather. There was plenty of feet up high. And I think that those elk were more. I don't want to say they spend the whole year there, but they're more of a resident elk where they okay. spend most of the year low and on or near that food on source. Range. Yeah. Whereas it's going to be a different story for elk that summer up high and then move, you know, down low just for the late season. Um, sure. So, sure. yeah, I don't know that, <laughs> that I have yeah. a good answer. <laughs> there's no, you know, at the end of the day, there's still wild animals, right? And so who, who really knows? But, uh, yeah. So that's just looking back on the, you know, the learning experience and, you know, something I'll take into the next season is, um, you know, is, is we scouted an area and we should have just gone down and stuck with that area, you know, instead of like, you know, kind of brings me back to, to the lessons I've learned from last season, you know, and, um, you know, of not, of, of being consistent in one area and not, you know, kind of throwing the dart on the map and, oh, let's go here. Let's do this, you know, type thing. So looking back, that was a key takeaway from, from that, you know, uh, should have just, you know, stuck in that area that we knew and, but that's okay. You know, so, um, so the next weekend, um, our deer tags had opened up and, um, my mother-in-law left town. So, um, she decided she was going to stay home and it was just going to be me and my cousin who also had the tag going up into, um, into our deer area. And I spent a lot of time, um, e-scouting that. And, um, so we get up in there and we've got a, a evening hunt we can do. And, uh, you know, for the first night that we get in there and we go and we see deer, um, and find them and we kind of know where we're going to be the next morning. So we sleep, wake up. Um, and you know, we had to hike in, it was, you know, it wasn't a bad hike. It was, um, the reason why we decided to, you know, to stay up the truck, it was just because it, it really, you can get in an area pretty easily, you know, like it was under two mile hike. It was a little bit of elevation game, but it wasn't bad. Um, so we decided, you know, let's just get up early and try to be as high up as we can before first light. And, um, so that's exactly what we did. And, um, and we got up to an area and it's like, you know, the age old of like, all right, we're probably going to start seeing deer. It's light enough, you know, let's start getting extra quiet and, you know, let's, let's get, you know, let's start moving, you know, a little bit slower and, and all this. And sure enough, like, right. As I tell them that look to my right and there's, you know, there's like 50 deer 
and they're just feeding and they're kind of looking at us and it was still too light to be able to really or too dark to be able to pick them apart like you know does versus bucks it was just you couldn't really see so we just kind of sat down hunkered and um you know and and uh and we we're just kind of watching and um sure enough i you know end up finding finding a buck and you know it's his first year he's never killed one before and he i mean really he he just bought a rifle you know three months prior and it's something he told me like yeah i, I want to get into hunting and so um so we ended up getting him all ready and prepared and um there's a little buck about you know 200 yards and um committed really good shot for someone that's you know has very little time behind a rifle and it was cool to experience and um he ends up you know getting his first year and um and he couldn't have been more stoked so um and it was it was cool because it was first in the morning first thing in the morning and um i got to kind of practice on my you know my butchering skills and um and so our plan was you know get get it all processed up and we're gonna make our way out to the truck and then we're going to kind of regroup and go jump in another drainage. Um, and so we get it all processed. I got most of the deer on my pack cause he ends up, you know, here's a shameless plug for you guys, but he ends up buying just a cheap Amazon pack. And I don't think he could carry more than, you know, 15 pounds of meat on his bag without it, you know, just tearing apart and all that. So I, I got most of his deer on my back at this point. Uh, we make our way down and, uh, <laughs> we run across another herd of deer and uh, of the, and we're at this point, we're probably two, 300 yards from the truck. We're almost there. And uh, out pops this buck. And uh, it was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to take that buck. He's, he's kind of small, you know, I'm going to pass him up. And my cousin goes, he's like, Justin, you haven't killed anything. In this will be three years. What do you mean you're going to pass this buck up? I'm like, well, since you put it that way, you know, and, in my head like i'm i've got all these you know the angel and the devil i've got buddies on this side they're like dude don't kill anything small and then i got buddies on this or you know listening to your guys' podcast where you know i think you and and steve are always preaching you know just just give me experience you know and uh it, you know as a new hunter just just do what you can to get the experience and and then eventually you know work your way up to you know passing up anything and so this little buck, I mean, he pops out and was like, no, I'm not gonna. And so we start, we keep walking. Well, then he comes out again at like 40 yards. I'm like, oh, like, you know, now my head, now my mind's like, oh, you know what? That's actually not a bad call. So I throw my pack down, grab my rifle and he kind of moves off and he's only 60 yards and he never left. And I was moving around a bunch. And so I was like, all right, well, maybe this is a sign that, you know, maybe I should just, you know, take this deer and um knowing full well that you know where we were had potential for good deer but i wasn't going to pass up this opportunity you know for the experience and everything so uh so i ended up you know shooting a buck that actually uh what one of your monday minutes where you know steve mentioned he killed a little buck it, it makes me feel a little better about myself but um it uh yeah so it's you know i got to within within two hours time frame i got to you know, butcher two deer and, uh, you know, really put my skills to the test and it was great. We were stoked. We were, you know, it was, it was 11 in the morning by the time we got to the truck and, you know, we were, we were packing up camp and we were headed out. And, uh, the one thing that I'll tell you that made me feel very good about 
you know, my decision is every time after hunting, I always get in the truck and I get service. I come home and, um, you know, my daughter, she's, she's five. And first thing she says is, you know, dad, did you get a deer? And this is the first time I got to say, yeah. And, uh, I made it all worth it. It was cool. And yeah, just a good learning curve. And then, you know, and we got, we, I knew the whole time, you know, I've got experience. I used to work on fishing boats, so I'm, you know, pretty good with a knife. And so I knew I was going to process all my own meat. Um, and so we did, you know, we took a Sunday afternoon and they butcher paper on the counter and it was a family experience, you know, like my, my wife was helping, my kids were helping and, and it was just a cool deal to, you know, kind of gather around and, you know, process this deer and, um, made it all worth it, you know. I wanted to ask in terms of like processing or even breaking down these deer in the field and especially having your cousin with you, who's newer to all this, like anything you figured out or you feel like you've learned or has made you more efficient or any questions that maybe he had for you, like basically just pulling away for any newer hunters listening to this, like having the opportunity to go back to back, break two deer down the same day. Like what made what did you learn or maybe not like, Oh, I wish I would have done this type thing. Yeah. Um, so we, I did the, you know, the gutless method on both. And that was really aside from helping a buddy do it during bear season. Um, uh, that was my first time doing it all alone on my own. Cause you know, he kind of stood back and watched me do a lot of it. Um, and you know, I just, I watched, you know, a decent enough uh, videos on YouTube on it and, you know, felt like I was comfortable in the process. And it's kind of one of those where it's like, all right, here we are, you know, like make it happen type thing. You know, you've been, you've been learning how to do it and now let's do it. So, um, the gutless method, it worked very well. And, you know, so we pulled all the meat off. Um, I will say, uh, invest in a good knife. Um, he didn't, he had a mediocre knife as well. Um, and I had an, one of the Argali's knives and couldn't be more stoked with that. I mean, I processed two deer up with it and, you know, barely had to touch my sharpening stone. Um, and, you know, so have a good knife. I knew I wanted that over like, a uh, is it the Havilon that's got the razor blade? Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't trust myself enough with the razor blade, um, <laughs> in the moment. So I knew I wanted a fixed blade knife and couldn't talk more, you know, highly of that it, it worked out really good um takeaways other takeaways from it is uh you know just definitely eat uh because we really hadn't had much breakfast beforehand you know so like i think you've mentioned it a few times but take that time get a little water in you have some sort of uh you know eat a little snack before you start diving in because you know before you know it you look up and you're all lightheaded because you you know, you hadn't eaten anything or something like that, you know, but, um, yeah, just enjoy it. So it was cool. It was a cool experience. Um, you know, we, we kind of joked going into it, like how cool would it be to both tag out and, you know, first thing in the morning and, um, you know, that opportunity presented itself. So it was awesome. Um, super thankful, you know, for that opportunity and, you know, just the learning it provided for us. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, it was cool. Super good day. I love that. Just that little detail, the little story about being able to call home and for the first time, tell your daughter, yep, I got something. Oh, I don't, I don't want to sound like a wimp, but you know, it dang near brought tears to my eyes, you know, just the excitement over her voice and, you know, and then when we got home, I opened the garage door and they come running out just so 
so stoked, you know, so it was cool. So, um, so that was deer. My wife, she didn't get to, she didn't get to deer hunt at all just for timing and all intents and purposes of having kids that, you know, where the unit was, it, it, it wasn't really set up well for being able to drag kids in there. Um, you know, it's kind of steeper country. Um, you know, just to have a five and three and a half year old, it it wasn't going to work. So she kind of knew it going in. And after I went, I was like, you know, you're probably not going to get to use this beer tag. Um, which was a bummer. Um, but we still had an antelope and elk tag. So, um, finally in October, we got some weather. Um, you know, we were in town, we were in the seventies and then, you know, within a couple day period, we went to the fifties for the high and, uh, a little bit of snow and rain and we got some weather and I knew, you know, it was the the final weekend for antelope. I was like, we got to go. You know, we woke up on a Saturday morning and she was him and hawing like, do we go? Do we not? And I said, get in the car, let's go Throw the kids in the car, grab snacks. Let's go. We're, you know, we're going to give it one more shot. And, uh, so we drive down into an area that we just hadn't been seeing antelope, but the biologist told us that they, you know, they will start to migrate once there's weather. And I kind of had that in the back of my mind and, you know, we're in there, we're glassing, looking and don't see anything. And she's like, all right, well, let's go, let's go see if we can find some milk. So we go drive out the main road and I come over a little rise and there's four antelope sitting in the road, like 15 yards from my truck. I'm like, well, here's a sign. We probably shouldn't leave the area. <laughs> you know, they run <laughs> off. And, um, so we kind of, we double backs, turn around and we go, you know, there's an access we can get in. And so we took this access down and, um, and she gets out, she kind of goes and looks for that initial herd. They took off running way in the distance. And, um, and then, so we keep going down, find another herd, same thing. They're very, you know, as soon as they see a car, they're, they're gone. You know, they're leaving as fast as they can go. Um, so we keep going down and we end up coming across some guys that just killed a buck. And uh, so we talked to him for a little bit and they're like, yeah, they're, you know, I'm pretty confident they're still in the area where we were sitting was a good, it was super windy that day. And you could tell there was a, a snowstorm coming. And um, so we just, I just, in my head was thinking, you know, these, these antelope are going to be bedded down somewhere you know, out of the wind and, you know, safe. And so we drove up, didn't see anything. Well, we turned around, we're like, you know what, There's, this snowstorm's coming. We got to, let's kind of start considering, you know, making our way out of here. It was late in the afternoon. And uh, we turned around and so we started driving and then we kind of, same thing, we were driving over a little rise and look out and I see antelope. And the first three, I think were a herd that we had already saw. And they, boom, they're sprinting, leaving the country. Well, when we see these antelope, <laughs> mind you, our kids are with us. At this point, we strapped them. You know, we kind of let them just hang out in the car during dirt roads and stuff. And we're like, well, we're going to get out of here. So we put car seats on them. We come over the rise and see these antelope. And I just throw the truck in the park. I grab the rifle. And I look at my wife. I said, let's go. Here's our opportunity. Truck in park. Turn the truck off. Tell the kids, hey, wait right here. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hope there's no, uh, you know, some people that are listening that are, you know, going to give me trouble for that. But it was like, hey, guys, we'll be back, you know, grab the keys, lock the truck. They're in their car seats. The dog's with them. They're fine, right? They got snacks. So we take off running and uh, 
we had a little, you know, there was like a rock outcropping that we could hide behind that we just took off running to get as close as we could. Well, the first three, they took off as soon as I stopped the truck and we thought they would stop. They didn't. And as we were running, I looked to my left and I can, I just can make out um, what, what appears to be two antelope. And in the, in the chaos, I didn't even think I, I took off my bino harness and my rain, which had my range finder. And I just, I was like, dang it. I don't have them. Fortunately, my wife grabbed hers. And so I took hers quickly, took hers from her. And I look, and yep. Sure enough, there's bedded antelope that hadn't seen us yet. So we kind of shift course and we start working our way towards them. And I said, just, you know, crouch down as low as you can. We're kind of using some rocks between us and them. And I told her, I said, as soon as we don't see, you know, we were kind of walking downhill. There's another rise between us. I said, as soon as we don't see those antelope, we're running. Be prepared. She's like, okay. So I grabbed the rifle. I'm carrying at this point just to make it easier on her. And sure enough, we snuck down. We don't see the antelope. We've got rocks between us. And we had like a 200 yard just run. Um, so we get there, we get to those rocks. They still haven't seen us. I don't have my range finder with me. Like, dang it. But I could kind of gauge. It was like, we're, I I'd say we were roughly 250 yards. And, uh, so I'm just talking to her. They're bedded. They don't hear us. It's super windy out. So I'm just kind of talking to her and getting her comfortable, making sure she's ready in the rifle when they stand up. And so she's ready, she's prepared, they stand up. And it's a herd of, uh, what, six antelope. And in the area, you can kill either a, a doe or a, or a buck. And, um, so I'm just calling out, I was like, you know, three, four, five antelope. And then I see him, I was like, buck in the back. Buck in the back, and she, you know, he stands up. He's got a perfect broadside shot. And like I said, roughly 250 yards, knowing my rifle. I was like, just put it right on him. So she does, she she squeezes off a, a shot and uh, shoots right underneath him. And you could tell perfect, or I'm sorry, this one was over the back. So you could tell perfect missed. I was like, I was like, missed, get ready, you know, get another one in. The antelope actually, the way they were positioned, there was a big ridge behind them. They didn't go up and over that. So they kind of skirted the ridge while they came a little closer. They probably came 50 yards closer. Same thing. I said, buck in the back, buck in the back. She puts on him. She shoots under him this time. I'm like, dang it. There's two missed shots. They move. They come a little closer. <laughs> Here we go. They're giving us another shot. Get ready. So she, we had to reposition her to get ready. She got comfortable. They stopped again. Well, this time, unfortunately, the buck sandwiched himself before it does. So you couldn't see him. And they were herded up. They were bunched up so tight because they did, you know, in the wind and the chaos, they couldn't hear where the shot was coming from. So we, uh, so then one doe decides to kind of stop back behind and is sitting, sitting, you know, sitting behind her. And I told her, I said, you know, take one in the back and she made a great shot, um, runs off, you know, 30 yards and she expires. And I was so stoked. We, at this point, we're out of bullets because I didn't grab any spare ammo. I had just what was in my, my rifle only carries two in the magazine and one in the chamber. So we had three shots. I didn't have my binos. I didn't have a range finder. I didn't even grab my pack. I had nothing. So I was like, I'm going to walk up. I'm going to make sure she's good. You go back to the, just start going back to the car, grab more ammo in case we need it. But I think we're good. Also, you know, make sure the kids are all right. So she goes back. <laughs> she, she grabs the car, moves it down a little closer. Kids are fine. I ended up 
you know, making my way back so I can grab my pack and, you know, just grab whatever I might need. <laughs> and uh, so we pull the kids out of the car like, and they're all stoked. Like, you know, mom got an antelope. They're stoked. And I start walking and, you know, I send her off. I was like, hey, you go find her. Just make sure she's fully expired. And so she does. And then I grab the kids. I was like, I'll bring the kids up. Well, as I start grabbing the kids, it's a full, like, hailstorm slash it it's like freezing rain borderline snowing at this point kids are cold you know it's probably blowing 25 miles an hour kids are like cold and i just look i was like hey you guys want to stay in the car like yeah we want to stay in the car so i put it back in the car put it back in their car seats gave them a bunch of snacks and we had to walk back to where this you know this antelope was which was you know probably just shy of three quarters of a mile and uh so they're in the car waiting for us. And, you know, I go up, we take pictures and all that. And we're like, all right. And, you know, my wife's like, okay, now what are we going to do? I was like, well, I'm just going to throw over my shoulders. We're going to walk out. So we did. I got her up on my shoulders and I just started hiking out and uh, brought her out whole. And, you know, knowing that we had to get back to the car as soon as we can because the kids. Um, and then, yeah, got to the car and you know, started to work on it. And that was just another super cool experience because they got to be there. They got to be a part of it. Um, I mean, how many times they've gone with uh same thing, just driving out, checking areas, looking for things. This is the first time they got to see it all in person. So super cool experience. Yeah. Really glad for how it all went down. And, um, you know, we, that one I did differently. I, um, you know, I gutted it, took the hide off and just brought the whole carcass out. Um, so I got to, you know, do that, that process as well too. So lots of learning, you know, involved in, in both of them. And, um, it was cool. I mean, that's, that's, uh, with getting the kids there and involved and it, obviously looking back now, it's like, oh, we should have done this, should have done that, but glad it all worked out for you. Yeah. And, the uh, the one takeaway from that is, uh, take a moment to enjoy it. If you ever in that scenario, what a cool opportunity to have a picture with, you know, the four of us and, uh, and the antelope and we didn't get a single picture. So, you know, <laughs> cause it was just such chaos in the moment and all that. And like I said, there was a snowstorm, um, coming. And, um, so we were, I was, I was just, you know, processing that antelope as fast as I could. And then, uh, yeah, one cool thing, as we were driving out, it was, man, it was like a, I don't know. It was, it was cool. But that herd that, you know, we, we killed the antelope out of, as we're driving back out, that herd kind of came around. And, uh, as we're driving out, they were running right next to the truck for a good, you know, couple minutes, just kind of running alongside of us. So the kids got to see them up close. I mean, they were 30 yards away from us and then eventually crossed the road right in front of us. And just a cool experience. It's great, man. I felt like I rambled on along there a bunch, but no, you're good. It's a cool story. It's obviously a much different season than what you anticipated, right? Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, but so cool that you got you got a new hunter involved. Mm-hmm. You got your wife and your new kids. hunter as well. Yeah, yeah. You got two different species, two different experiences you know, from both the, the hunting experience as well as now processing these animals, like, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's a lot jam packed in there. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you didn't like your initial goal was 
to make this the year for your archery elk hunt and that didn't happen but man look at everything that came out of it absolutely and um you know, I was trying to reflect on the season and write notes and stuff from what I learned and all that and talking with some buddies and it was a massive confidence boost in my hunting abilities. Yeah. There's no trophies or anything like that, or I didn't get my elk, but, um, the very cool part was the area we got our deer was an area I found e-scouting and knew, you know, and then it turned out to be successful from there. So it's in confidence in that. Um, and, you know, confidence learning on how, the way animals move, the bird training, the processing, uh, my physical fitness level, all that stuff. It was just a huge boost of confidence for me, um, in the overall thing. And, you know, I'll be honest, there was a part of me where, you know, during my archery elk season of, you know, just misfortunes and stuff, not, you know, not really getting the ability that I was like, Man, is this something that I love? Is this truly a passion of mine? you know, and you have to do that self-reflection and, and kind of look at it. And, um, you know, the second, and that's kind of what led me to, to take in that deer was, you know, I just want to make sure that this is something I truly love and am passionate about. And, and it just reignited all of that, you know, getting to see my cousin who never had hunted before fill a tag, getting to see my wife fill a tag and, you know, even me getting to do it. It was, it was pretty cool for sure. I don't know. I mean, that, that mind battle, I'm sure you go through it of, you know, <laughs> what am I doing out here when you could be at home with family or, you know, but that mm-hmm. whole mental state for sure. Yep. Yeah. And that whole topic of like, is this something I love? Am I passionate about it? Like one of the things I've realized both for myself, but of, in speaking with other hunters also realized is you can get, you can get caught up in just honestly doing it for the wrong route the wrong reasons yep. or in yep. the wrong ways. And by that, I don't mean like the obvious low hanging fruit when I say that the wrong reasons is like, oh, I'm doing it to post on social media or this or that or whatever. I'm more talking about if you just flat out love to hunt a certain area or a certain species or in a certain way that you just enjoy and maybe it's not always the most effective or what other people say you should do or things like that, then Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, just do what you enjoy. (laughs) The whole reason you're out there with hunting has to be partially to enjoy it. I mean, yes, partially to fill a tag. Yes. Partially to bring meat home. Yes. Like there's many, many, many reasons why we hunt, but Mm -hmm. if you're not enjoying it, you really need to ask what the heck you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just, yeah, I mean, just there's certain things that it's like, I see people do other hunts, even for myself. I'm like, oh, that would, yeah, that would be cool. And then I'm like, yeah, maybe for them. Like, I don't think if, if, if I think about it, I don't right. think I would actually enjoy that hunt or going about it that way or anything like that. So I'm, that's rambling and maybe not make sense, but I just want to encourage everybody, like, as long as it's legal and ethical, do what you enjoy. Exactly. And that was one point that I had written down that, uh, you know, that I just wanted to touch on because yeah, that social, I know we talked about a little bit, but that social pressure and, and that, oh, well, so-and-so does it this way or this way or, you know, that, and it's like, you got to get out and just enjoy it and do what's right for you. And, um, you know, it was September and I was feeling like, you know, super anxious and all this stuff and just, you know, like 
comparing myself to, oh, these people got one or this or that, you know, and I ended up taking a full social media break September and October because, um, because I just knew that it was, it, it wasn't good for, you know, my mindset on, you know, comparing myself to, well, how come they can do it, but I can't do it? Like, what, am I not doing this? What am I doing wrong? All this and that, and, you know, get off social media. And I think it's going to be something I do every hunt season from here on out because it makes you just enjoy the whole thing and experience so much more, you know? And, uh, and then the other, you know, big thing is remember that just because it's not done this way, doesn't mean you're doing it the wrong way, you know, and, uh, just get out and, and enjoy it. Just like you said, enjoy it. Um, and, and make it your own, write your own story, right? Instead of, writing a story that looks cool on social media. Well, that is a great way to cap that conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed getting to know Justin and hearing about his season and how it changed from his original plan, but how there was so much value in it. After all, that's often how hunts go. Not as expected, but still incredibly beneficial and enjoyable. Guys, don't forget this Wednesday in the next episode, we do have some awesome news coming from Steve and I. So once again, if you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, just hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app so that you do receive those future episodes automatically. And as always, if you have anything for us, you can send an email to podcast at xamountgear.com or look for the link in the show description that says leave a message. We appreciate your support. If you're enjoying the show, it would help us tremendously if you share it with a friend or leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you're using. Taking the time to do that does truly help. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon.